You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani. We are two Texas licensed attorneys and we practice all over the state, but primarily in Harris and Montgomery County. I mean, if I can say primarily, we are here every Tuesday on 104.5 and 106.1 Conroe's FM. And you can listen to us live on Facebook. You can watch us live on Facebook. Uh, we're here to answer your legal questions or talk about topics that Tony and I see coming up for some reason that we think, you know, would provide a public service to our listeners. So we appreciate you listening. And today, Tony and I are going to talk about, uh, so I filed suit, what do I do next? You know, yes. the mm-hmm. procession of a lawsuit. J- just sort of the outline of things that you need to do when uh, when you start a lawsuit or if you've just been sued, uh, because really there's two parties to the lawsuit. But um, this is, uh, you know, if you're an attorney, you probably don't need to know this, but these are for people that, you know, for JP court, uh, eviction suits are all a little bit different, but just a general outline of what to expect when you're suddenly involved in a lawsuit. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want to talk about our guest for next, next week. We're excited about that. There is Lemonade Day, uh, Lemonade Day Houston. And uh, what it is, is it's a fun experiential program that teaches youth how to start, own, and operate their very own business. And when I first read about this uh, a few years ago, uh, just I don't know how it even came up, um, I was just uh, sucked into it because uh, it taught you how to run a business and it was such a great business plan for kids. I thought, why aren't they teaching the same thing to adults? We need to have adults come to Lemonade Day and learn how to run these businesses. Just like we were talking about last week, corporations and types for, types of business organizations. Um, this their, their plan is amazing. And uh, the guy that started it, I want to say his name is, uh, in fact, uh, Producer Dick, can you look up the name of the founder of Lemonade Day? It, he is an entrepreneur from the Houston area. Uh, he, I think he made uh, a gazillion dollars in uh, the tech market, and uh, and then he decided he wanted to give back, and he had some kids, and I think his daughter started a lemonade stand, and he helped her, and then he thought he'd, he'd show this, this type of, just like we're showing today about what you do when you start a lawsuit, he started something to show kids how to, run a business, and the lemonade stand was a perfect way to do it. And uh, anyway, I just I, I don't know why I even was reading about it, but then I was just like, man, I'm so excited that they're coming here to talk about it. This guy did such a great thing, and it's like, I don't know, what there's 20,000, uh, I guess they'll tell us next week, but they're all over the place. They, yeah. They've got it in so many different cities. I, I think that the— Michael Holthouse. Michael Holthouse, thank you. And he's fairly young, too, mm-hmm. um, for for having done this. But it was, it was such, I saw him on a TED— uh, a speech Lecture. like yeah and I was just oh my gosh this guy's got the best idea if I could just be as as entrepreneurial and charitable as he is really making a difference and this lemonade day really does make a difference and thank you for looking that up I couldn't remember the life of me what his name was um so what else do you want to tell us about lemonade day now that I've hijacked that well <laughs> I just think it's interesting because it teaches the kids how to get sponsors yes. how to get mentors we need that too we need mm-hmm. to really pay close attention mm-hmm. to lemonade and there's a sign-up deadline. Lemonade Day is May 4th and 5th, okay? And there's a sign-up deadline. I believe it's next Friday. Okay. So um, 
listen, we're going to be on next Tuesday with uh, the president of the company mm-hmm. and another person. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the name of... of another uh, uh, fine representative who is right. going to give us the information we need to know because I think the lemon, that what they do is they teach you how to make these cute lemonade stands uh-huh. and how to run the background business. Exactly everything you need to know to start a little business. So yeah. children and adults alike, I think all should be listening yeah. to um, to learn all about this. And yeah, we'll so we're so excited. Look forward to that next week. Today we're going to talk about the progression of a lawsuit and I don't know how to do it yourself or when you need to decide mm-hmm. that you're in over your head mm-hmm. and you need to get an attorney or whatever. We've talked about before uh, service of process and filing suit, and that takes place after the plaintiff draws up an, an original petition, mm-hmm. <clears throat> files it with the court. Then the next thing they have to do, and we've talked well, about Well, first this there's a problem. So um, the anatomy of a lawsuit, I guess we can start at the very, very beginning. But before we get into that, I was thinking while we were talking about Lemonade Day, I'm sorry, I'm so ADD today, but... Um, it kind of ties into, you know, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Right. And he recently, um, he was on in on the news because he's filed for divorce. And so now his wife will be the fifth richest woman in the world after they split the fortune. Well, did you know that he lived in Houston for a while? He grew up in River Oaks. He went to River Oaks Elementary. And um, his, his mother married uh, Bezos, and then he went to school in Florida, what have you. But that's not the interesting thing. The reason I was even looking this up, I would never have gone there. You know, he started Amazon. It was just sort of a business plan he had. He ended up going to Princeton. Um, he did various other things first. I think he did tech. He, he kind of got the background of learning how to start Amazon by, by setting up the IT for uh, some upstart companies that had a lot of money. But anyway, he came up with this Amazon plan. It was originally just to do books, and then it kind of spread, and it was really Mm -hmm, big. mm -hmm. But um, what was interesting to me is that uh, I was reading about the rodeo, and George Strait is the number one, you know, uh, attraction for, like, the last 30 years. Right. And then one of my friends that I used to cheerlead with was uh, she had posted a picture of her with George Strait. I'm like, ah, right when he first started. I'm like, how did you get a picture with George Strait? He is a first cousin of Jeff Bezos. Oh, my God! And uh, George Strait was born in Petite, Texas. Yeah. And his son went to Texas A&M, graduated from A&M. Um, and George Strait graduated from South Texas, which, of course, Southwest Texas at the time was Southwest. Now it's Texas State. I just didn't realize there was how many, how much strong Texas roots there were with George Strait mm-hmm. and how he got started. And he was just in a little town and one thing led to another. But he's first cousins with Jeff Bezos. They share a maternal grandmother. Oh, my Did goodness. Did not know that. I thought that was a small world. And so Jim was like, yeah, yeah, everybody in Texas. Uh, I mean, um, he probably borrowed money from him. no. Um, and just like Beto, you know, mm-hmm. Francis, Robert, you know, whatever his Irish mm-hmm. last name is, mm-hmm. or work, um, he also is actually pretty wealthy. He's not just some upstart from El Paso that picked a Hispanic name to, to kind of get that following. His family's actually well off. His mom owned a furniture store. They've got, he's probably got, he's probably worth, I think, $13 million. Wow. Yeah, so he's not just some guy that wanted to be politics and waves his hands a lot. He actually had some money, too. So Texas got, Texans have some deep roots, and there's a lot of money to be made, which kind of ties into Lemonade Day. Mm-hmm. It started on Lemonade Day because you may be the next Jeff Bezos, right? Hey, all right. Okay, well, so... Anyway, oh, that's where I was going to start. To start, you have to have a problem. Right. A lawsuit only starts when there's a dispute of some kind, whether it be... Um, I don't want to say criminal a crime. That's a lawsuit with the state. But it is, um, right. But but that you can have from the same incident there could be a criminal and a civil aspect to it. Like O.J. Simpson, he had the murder trial, but he also had the, the wrongful death trial, which is they they won in the wrongful death, which is ultimately how he got arrested for uh, having the for trying to get his stuff back. 
you know, and then they were like, you know, but with a firearm. Mm -hmm. But really he went to prison the second time after stealing his stuff back in Las Vegas because everybody felt like he'd actually done it and that was sort of the way he could get back in it. But um, if you have to have a dispute and so you have, someone's going to file suit because of dispute. So that's the very beginning of a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Somebody's upset about something mm -hmm. and then someone files a lawsuit. And today we're going to start off with you're upset and you're filing the lawsuit. Okay. okay. I'm upset. I have... I'm going to file this lawsuit. If you're representing yourself, that's called pro se. You can go down for some form, like if it's a divorce or mm -hmm. something like that, and just fill out a form or you type something up and it's a complaint. Get an attorney uh, to type up a And petition. the easiest way to do that is somebody else has had the same dispute as you. And really, you don't even want to go into a, 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 you don't want to go into a lawsuit and ruin your life with this really? unless the person you're suing actually has... Uh, it's not judgment-proof. They actually have something that you can get because civil is always about the money. Right. Sometimes it's about defamation or your your your, your you know whatever it may be. It may there may be a different angle to it. It's emotional, but for the most part, it's about the money. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get some money out of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so that being said, you get them so you, you get them you get a petition and you can you can Google or go into one of the county clerk sites to find a what we call a case in the box. You mm -hmm. can find one that's similar to it. Something similar. And, and see, and find one that where they won mm -hmm. so you can follow sort of that guide. That's the first thing I do now, even if, if it's something like patents that I don't do very often, I'll mm -hmm. immediately go into the federal websites and try to find one and watch how it flows to see if I even have a case worth suing over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so once you do that, then you get them served. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it, that can take a while, but you get them served. You get a service processor. You get the constable to go out. Or and that's a, that's a whole different ball game too, because it's not just I'm going to file suit and I'm going to tell them about them and get it served. Here, mm -hmm. you're in a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. You've got to follow the proper procedures mm -hmm. of service for it to be. And if because you don't have proper proper service, then and they don't answer, you're not going to get a fault judgment because you don't have proper service, and you'll, mm -hmm. they'll get you every time on that. Mm -hmm. So you have to follow the rules of civil procedure. And I think I brought, I you know I always forget what all the exact rules are on it. But um, it's, you have to have, you, you got to follow Rule 21. I think it's Rule 9. Um, let me see, subpoena. I had federal subpoenas. I'd pull like a little printout on it. But with, just to, to, in a nutshell, if you've got civil service in a district court, JP court, you have to have somebody who's a, a, older than 18 and not a party to the suit at a bare minimum mm -hmm. um, to be able to serve this. And it has to, you can't serve on Sundays. And there's gonna, you have to get a citation so before you can serve, you've got to file your case with the the clerk, the whichever court, court it may be in, right. district or JP or mm -hmm. county court. And then they're gonna you're gonna ask for a citation. It's eight dollars extra, almost mm -hmm. across the board. It's always that much extra. And there it's the little piece of paper that they create that goes on top of your petition after you've filed it that you give to your process server, whoever's gonna serve it, whoever's qualified, and they um and they take that piece of paper with them. And you don't have to wait, or your process server doesn't have to wait for them to sign something. They can literally say, you are served. Is this you? You're served. Yeah. And, and so, and then they filed this return of service with the court to show there was proper service. But proper service is a big deal. People dodge service if they think they're going to be sued. No kidding. Um, the best thing to do is if you have somebody like a divorce and it's a mutual divorce, you can get a waiver and that's going to be the place of the service. But you still have to get the citation and show the court that they've had proper legal, legal service or you don't have a case. So that being said, what's the okay. next step? So then the defendant answers, and he's mm -hmm. got 21 days, he or she, whoever, mm -hmm. a business, yes. whatever, has 21 days to answer, and if they fail to answer, then you can move the court for a default judgment. Uh, default judgment is, uh, I got proper, I 
file the petition, mm-hmm. the original complaint. Mm-hmm. I serve them properly, and yes. they've just ignored me. Right. So they know that they had 21 days, and if they don't know, they need to know. Yeah. because. And what's really bad about default judgment is um, that whatever is in your petition you've asked for, you're going to get. So yeah. if they said, I want a million dollars because you defame me, and then they don't, they don't uh, respond, then and everything's done properly, it doesn't even matter if your claim wasn't written out properly, then they're going to get default judgment. And we get lots and lots of those with, and we talked about appeals in one of our other case, uh, um, shows, shows uh, that you can get a restricted appeal if you weren't served properly mm-hmm. and you didn't even know about this judgment, then you can get something. You don't have to have it uh, an appeal notice within 30 days. You can file what's called a restricted appeal, which gives you six months once you find out about it. And you're going to find out about it more than likely because people are watching like these people, it's a business. They're watching judgments hit, and they'll say, "Hey, uh, you know, um, you'll get a notice saying, uh, I forget what they try to sell you on, but you'll find out because somebody's scouring the the, the district clerk records and they want to buy your judgment or help you out with the judgment or do you need a supersedious bond for your judgment? You're just going to find out about it, or if you're like me, every now and then you'll just kind of poke into the clerk's files to see what's going on with your own clients as well as yourself, mm-hmm. which I never have anything. I'm pretty much aware if I'm going to be served or not. Right. I'm not. I don't think I've been. Well, we're not going to get. I guess we don't have to really get into that. But you'll know if you're in a dispute with somebody, and you'll be expecting service, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so. If you get a default judgment, though, and it's against you, all is not lost, you can do one of these restricted appeals. And then there's another one that we talked about in our other show that's four years beyond this restricted appeal. And I forgot what it was called. Uh, but there's three different ways that you can get Are, back to uh, it. The bill of review? Yes, thank you. That's the four-year one. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes you can even go past that depending on whether you have a constitutional issue. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yes, people, don't ignore. If you've been served, don't be like, yeah, well, you served me and I'm mad at you and so what. Yeah. Don't ignore it. ignore you. Because they can go in and get a default judgment and it's really hard to unwind and very expensive. So true. Okay, and so that's if they don't answer. Right. We're talking today about if they do right. answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they answer. They've got 21 days to answer and basically their answer can be... Well, it's the first Monday from the 20 days past the date of service. So sometimes it's 21, could be up to 26, but yeah, whatever. Right, ends up being. right around there. But be careful, and you need to you need to look at that rule. The ci- It's on the citation that you're served with. That's your court order that you've got just to answer this within 21 days from the date of service. That's what the citation is for, right. to give the person being served official court-ordered notice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that service is not just a notice. It's actually got in there a temporary injunction date saying, not only are you certain you've got to answer, but you've got to show up for court, which is going to be a separate service. So you're going to have one that says answer the, 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 the lawsuit, mm-hmm. and the other says, oh, and by the way, particularly in the case of divorces, you've got a temporary injunction date, and you need to show up, and you need to bring certain things. And that's when... Most people call an attorney because this is scary being told by court you've got to show up and you've got to bring tax returns. You've been served and now you've not only been served, but you've got to be in court within uh, two weeks and you've got to bring a lot of stuff with you. That's when you definitely want to start looking into, do I really need an attorney or not? Do I need to call my wife or whoever, you know, ex-wife, estranged wife, estranged husband who ever served you to see if they want to um, go to mediation or have it get a Rule 11 to quash that temporary injunction so I don't have to take a day off, get an attorney, I need more time. If you're not served with that temporary injunction within 10 days of the service, though, then you can automatically go to any court and say, I wasn't, I didn't get timely service. I don't have time to hire an attorney. Can we reset this? But that being said, I think Dick said we had about two minutes. Or Where are we at now? We have to take a break? Okay. Okay, well, listen, with Tony and I today, we are talking about the progression of a lawsuit. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. 
From the beginning, the main purpose of the Cooperative Extension Service has been to change human behavior by teaching people how to apply the results of scientific research. By utilizing a holistic, multi-level approach, Extension Family and Community Health Programs encourage health and well-being for everyone, addressing values, concerns, and needs with reliable science-based information. Extension programs help people lead healthier lives. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres environmentally sound way. Find out more online at halfatablate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936-709-7671. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. What can the Better Living for Texans program do for you? You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about the progression of a lawsuit but, Tony, you wanted to say something about 
Brad Paisley and Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> yes. We went to uh, Dallas this weekend, and they were having Which an Which is where I'm from. Yeah, and where Jim is from, Richardson. That was my first, oh, okay. the first skating competition. I'd always these sidebars. The first skating competition I won when I was 12 was in Richardson, Texas, which yeah. I thought was across, it was Nebraska, you know, it was Alaska as far as I was concerned. Uh-huh. And um, I competed and I was, you know, I was like, warmed in my heart because I won. And I competed against um, Paul Wiley's sister. If you don't skate, then you don't know who Paul Wiley is, but he won the silver medal in the Olympics, I think in 19, I want to say 84 or something, but I beat his sister. So that's my claim to fame. Okay. I beat Paul Wiley's sister. All right. So Richardson, <laughs> Texas, we went up there and they were having an auction of Bonnie and Clyde memorabilia. Oh, wow. And Bonnie and Clyde, um, uh, they were they were like the sort of, I guess, lovable, if you want to say that, gangsters from... Um, my grandparents knew them. Oh, they did? Because mm-hmm. they were from the Dallas area. That's right. Oh, um, more information. I love that. And so, yeah. um, but they, really, their lives were just so sad. because Because a Clyde Barrow would not have been the, the you know, notorious gangster person all the way up to Dallas. I mean, poor Jim. It was like, you've got to hear about this. It's really interesting. Apparently, they had some relatives here in the Conroe area, and they met under the bridge at FM uh, 2854 and um, I want to say what's now Fish Creek Parkway, and also the bridge at where Old Conroe uh, met, where close where the San Jacinto River is. And mm-hmm. so there was some, and that may be right by 2854 also. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading about them, and apparently they stayed in the hotel over here at uh, Metcalf and Thompson uh-huh. down in downtown Conroe. Uh-huh. I think it's called the State Hotel. And so I was just going to give a shout out to them because there's a Bonnie and Clyde room, but there's no actual evidence they stayed there. But they had family in the area. So I mm-hmm. thought that was really interesting, mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde. And the other thing I was reading about the paper, all this country western stuff that I'm reading about, um, we have, uh, I was reading in the paper that uh, Brad Paisley had, you know, he was at the rodeo this year, like mm-hmm. just like with George Strait, one of the top mm-hmm. uh, attractions. And he had come down and done a, a special private uh, performance in a uh, in a Woodlands bar. And so I looked into it, and the bar is called the, the Blue Door Cafe at, at near Woodlands Mall. It just opened in November. And um, the guy that owns it is an attorney. He just opened it. And he, he didn't really announce it, but he said it was so crowded. And people were YouTubing their, their videos they took. It ends up this guy is my neighbor. I know him. Charles Gelt is the attorney that owns the Blue Door Cafe. And I'm like, and then Brad Paisley was having dinner over at his house. Wow. It's like, what? So I'm giving a shout out to uh, to my, my neighbor, Chad Gout. I'm your new best friend. You're my <laughs> hero. So next time Mr. Paisley comes down, we have good barbecue too. Mm. He can just come visit and maybe do it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. Sing a couple of songs. We have all this stuff going on in the Conroe and Woodlands area, all this rich history. Yeah. And even you knew the, your relatives knew Bonnie and Clyde. That's something too. Yeah, my grandfather told me that his brother was the best man at my grandmother and grandfather's wedding. The Barrow Gang? Yeah. Oh my gosh! It wasn't um, the brother that got that died in one of the shootouts, was it? There wasn't that many Barrow brothers. Yeah, I don't Could've know. Been. I don't know. Wow, that's interesting. I'm gonna get more information. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I'm gonna look it up. Know. You're gonna be. I'm gonna interview you next show. Yeah. Get me on that. Well, that's pretty much all I know, except for my grandmother told me this story of one time she was at a dance and they showed up. And, uh, the Barrow Gang did? Uh-huh. And Bonnie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really? It was in Dallas, you know? Uh-huh. And they were at this dance, and they had the chaperone. And as soon as they showed up, my grandmother's chaperone grabbed her and her little friend and drug that them out the smart. door. Yeah. <laughs> because where wherever they, they were, go, there was always one of those bar, what do they call the Brawls. buffalo arm 
uh, armed rifle. Oh no, auto, it's a Buffalo automatic rifle, a bar rifle. That's what they use. Oh, but um, but yeah, they everywhere they went. I mean, they didn't. They kidnapped. If you threatened them, they killed you. Is what we I've read in all the accounts. If they felt threatened, like it was either you or me, then they it, it, the gun, there was probably going to be gunfire and mm-hmm. somebody may get hurt. But if you didn't give in to them, then they you either kidnap you or leave you alone or let you keep your money or whatever like that. Which that's the wrong thing to me. If somebody's threatening you, you should not just give up, except in the situation where you're being robbed, it'd be really dumb to fight. You just should just give it to them because later insurance will cover it or whatever. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I haven't been held up and I'm usually not in this situation. So, no, but lemonade not. day, it kind of yeah. ties to it. Somebody holds you up at lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Tony, finish that thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, let's move on. So we've, we filed our suit. Uh, we've gotten them served properly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've answered. Yes. So the next thing that we do is discovery. Right. Right? Very See, important. In, in some other states, they have all these deadlines for attorneys to meet and confer, and they have to come up with a calendar, a schedule, and submit it to the court, and then the court's got to rule mm-hmm. on it or approve it and all mm-hmm. that, but not so in Texas. Well, in, in probate court um, in, in Harris County, you have a conference for the it's a trial scheduling conference, and they and they they will actually get with both attorneys, and you have to have this conference to determine what a good date is. So you're just not getting some generated docket control order thrown at you, where one attorney or the other has to ask for a continuance because they've got a conflict, or your clients have a conflict. Okay. So in some courts, it's you have to look at the local rule of that that county, local mm-hmm. rules of the county, or even the court itself. It's called, like they're, they're all called local rules, but it might be the court's rules. Right. So any, no matter where your your case ends up, you always want to first, you want to step it, you do like the stepping stone. You want to see what are the court's rules, what are the local rules, what are the Texas rules. Mm-hmm. and uh, But generally, in, in, particularly in Montgomery County, in the county courts, there's really not... Uh, probate's going to have something because that's on the civil, that's on the state level. But you're not, it's just going to be, you don't have a certain schedule you have to follow. Okay. So in federal court, though, you do too. You have to have a scheduling conference. Mm -hmm. But generally, they're going to let you know, the court's going to let you know you need to come for a scheduling conference or they're going to generate one and send it to you. So you're going to know what 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 the, the, the schedule you have to follow is or what discovery deadlines you have to follow. So that's given to you. You don't generate that yourself. Oh, no, never. Okay. All right. So, um, but but I want to get to this too. So th- discovery starts. And what we call discovery. Is- oh, let me just add, add one more thing about that. What The way it used to be in Montgomery County is if you didn't ask for a trial to be set, you never got a docket control order generated. So your case could just sit there for years. Really? Until you asked for one, until the court went to start cleaning up their docket, which is really, it's favorable to the defendant because you've got stuff that's going, getting stale and you can't prove your case anymore, unless it's something that's ironclad. But uh, it's filing suit, and again, I'm going to kind of go back a little bit about when you need to file suit. And I forgot who I was telling this to the other day, but I was telling them to make sure that they watch that four-year deadline on their contract because you've got certain de- deadlines to file suit. Right. You can't just, like, lax days ago, despile it. Uh, defamation, for an example, is one year. If somebody mm-hmm. defames you, you've got, to, you've got to file that suit to stop the clock within one year. And for contracts, it's generally four years. Right. And then you've got the two-year personal injury. But they're all a little bit different. You may have a particular claim that's got to be brought sooner. So um, if you're the plaintiff, be very aware that if you've been injured, you just can't wait You've got to be paying attention to when that statute of limitation runs because you may lose your ability to sue. Right. Important. Um, okay, so 
discovery starts, and that means, you know, I ask you questions, show me all your tax returns for, for the past. Say I'm the plaintiff. That mm-hmm. means I file the suit. I'm yes. the one with the complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, I start asking you to answer my questions like an interrogatory. So right. Describe to me an inter- a sample, very general sample of an interrogatory is, tell me about the situation, blah, 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 and mm-hmm. what you did on mm-hmm. date so-and-so. Right. And you can generate, you can go into the Internet and you can... Um, you know, I don't know what we did before Google. I mean, it was just so much more difficult to... Right now, I wouldn't be looking at this about George Strait. You know, I've just got... I'm so 80. I'm like, oh, what's happened to that? I want to find out about this. I want to find out about this. Um, but if you are are trying to generate these interrogatories, you may not get the answer you're looking for if you don't ask it in a, a simple sort of legal manner. And so it's best, I think, just to get the general ones out of the way. But also be careful because you're limited to only 25 questions. And Mm -hmm. after that, you've got to get leave of court to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. Or you've got to do just a deposition or just get your questions answered at trial. But the the 25 questions also a subpart. So if you ask one uh, one question, it's got five questions within it. That counts as one each. Mm -hmm. So beware of of that too. Mm -hmm. But you're not limited with regard to what you ask for for production. Production. Missions. And production, if you our listeners, request for productions or give me all the documents you have for blah, blah, blah. Right. Give me all the tax returns you have. Give it's me It's typically the- going to be like for a divorce, you're going to ask for. In fact, it's mandatory in Harris County. The local rules require, without you even asking for it, that you get the last two years worth of taxes with all the attachments. Right. Plus the last, if the children are involved, only if children are involved, because uh, you've got a child custody battle, they're looking for some child support. Um the last, I think it's the last two paychecks, two paycheck stubs you have. Right. Uh, but two, two or three. Yeah. But but yes, tax returns are huge. And they're usually always relevant in the case it's involving money. And so, requests for productions or documents, videos, things like that that are tangible. Memos, things. emails, things that were written down, anything that you can get your hands on. Uh, it's tangible that you can touch is like is generally going to be fine as a document and you have a dis- you have an area in your request for production that defines what a document is and it's a lot it covers just about everything that you can touch uh, right and then we have requests for admissions admit you did this mm-hmm. and those aren't limited either requests for they're production. not limited but those are so important they and are very powerful yeah because if you don't respond to those within 30 days they're admitted they're presumed admitted. True. So yeah. you can you can sort of fudge a little bit on your responses to the other one or ask for a, you know, a, an extension of time to answer them, but don't play around with admissions. They seem pretty innocuous and you don't see them used that often, but they're extremely powerful and hard to overturn if you don't respond in time. Mhm. Important. So so those are that's discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll serve say like if you're the defendant, I'll serve you. And then you serve me. Is there a deadline? Like when I serve you, do you have 30 days to serve me or can you serve me whenever? Well, uh, your your request for production. Say I'm the plaintiff and I served you first. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when I Oh, no, there's no, I don't have to ask for discovery at all. But why would you not ask for discovery? Because usually when somebody gets hit with the lawsuit and the discovery, and I'll tell you what, whenever I file a lawsuit, generally I like to file the discovery with it. So they're served with everything at once because they've got 50 days from the date that they're served with the lawsuit to respond. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's already, if they've been served, it's only 30. Mm -hmm. If they've, uh, by the time they've actually gotten service, Mm -hmm. because that's that 20 days. Mm -hmm. I just like to get it all out to them at once. I know mm-hmm. they've gotten it, particularly if they're pro se, because it's hard to get a hold of them to give them the discovery request. You've got to usually do it by mail. Um, what if they weren't served at their house? You don't know where they're at. If you get them served all at once, you don't have to worry about them not having received it. You know it was received because your process server got it. Now, there was another case that I worked on that um, they argued that 
they didn't get it in the service. They were served, but they didn't receive this particular information. And so that's when you want to make sure that you're, you've got the email where the process server was served with, you know, something so that you can follow that trail. Because if people are desperate and people being sued are usually desperate, sometimes they're being sued improperly. Sometimes it's just they're mad. The other person suing doesn't really have a case. That's a frivolous lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That's a suit that should be, you know, nipped in the bud pretty quick. But regardless, you can't ignore it. So, um, so if somebody serves you, and um, and it's a legitimate case. And so, to get back to your question, um, what, how much time do they have to to serve the, the plaintiff with the the, the counter the request for discovery? Uh, any the minute you're served, uh, you could actually start drawing up um, questions for discovery. But you also are limited in. You can't wait too long mm-hmm. because if you want to join a party, there's a deadline. There's, it, but there's a state deadline. Now, remember, there's an umbrella. The state is the umbrella over those civil rules of procedure are, are the umbrella over all courts in the state. Mm-hmm. And then you've got all the district courts in the state have certain sometimes different rules. Then you have the county courts, which is a little bit lower, that have different rules. And then you have the JP courts. And then I think there's one below JP court to municipal. save my life. M- municipal? Uh, yeah, municipal. That's going to be like your your tickets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But JP courts and municipal courts are generally the same. Mm-hmm. But you have probate courts that are like super courts that are kind of in between district and... Uh, they're like super. They're actually above district because they deal with uh, when someone dies, yeah. the type of case that they have. Um, if they can bring it all in. They can bring any type of case, whereas mm-hmm. you're limited in district and county and the amount of uh, jurisdictional. Where you, you choose to bring your case is, is going to be s- subject to the civil rules procedure also. But um, when you how you answer it and, and your discovery rules are also, I'm kind of losing my, I was losing my chain of thought because I was thinking of the, these cases I have that are these different courts. But um, as to responding to discovery, you're going to have a certain, you don't have any, you're going to follow the docket control order if it's been generated. And you don't want to wait too long because if you can't, you're, you're, you're dis, the, the, when your discovery deadline ends before trial per mm-hmm. the, the state. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, if you you also have a certain deadline for when you can join people in the suit or you can counterclaim. If you wait, and that's very, very important. If you wait too long to counterclaim, but you're thinking about it, haven't had time, just got served, um, you lose your ability to counterclaim very early on. It's like 30 to 60 days. It's something really short. So if someone sues you, it's like playing tennis. You want to look to see if you actually have a calendar claim. You may not. Tony, you're the defendant. I sue you with my original complaint. Mm -hmm. You answer, and then you've got a very limited time to what we're calling Mm counterclaim is for the defendant to turn around and say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh. No, they've got it all wrong. This contract breach was you, not me. In fact, I've got even more Mm counterclaims. Harassing lawsuit. I should have been one that one that's that sued. Um, right. you know, defamation. Um, there was all the things that really happened because the person, because you know, bad people sue all the time because they think they've got the upper sure. hand to you, and, it's and they're going to charge you attorney's fees, and it's complex, and you don't have mm-hmm. time and all that stuff. So, but most, not most of the time, but many, many times, you'll find the answer, which you should have to include affirmative defenses, and um, there's the other type of defense for affirmative. Um, Verified defenses, and that's important because if 
they're all different, and you've got to look. That's why an attorney becoming involved might be a good thing. Right. Because if you don't, if you don't file an answer that is affirmative to R, verified properly, and an timely. affirmative defense is a defense like that you went on. It was self defense. Right. Um. You. Uh, another example. What's an example of a contract? Oh, there's so many yeah. in a contract, yeah. accord, uh, and satisfaction. Right. I did satisfy the contract. Yeah, or I fulfilled statute it. Statute limitations. You, uh, it, it did happen this way, but they've missed their ability to sue. Are uh, estoppel that mm-hmm. they I, this is what happened, but they you know they've have missed given their, up their right. They've to, given up their right to do this because they you know, there's a lot of different rules for estoppel, race judicata. These are all rules that you've got to say it did happen, but this has been this happened before, or it did happen, but they can't now bring this up because it was in their favor, which is the estoppel argument. They can't now say this against me when when they are already holding the same position that they're trying to say. I mean, and I'm not using a good example for a stopple, but those are affirmative defenses. Right. It did That's happen, but you can't win because. Because of this. Right. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we will be right back. Tony and I are talking about the progression of a lawsuit. Is there someone you know who is hooked on vintage aircraft? Follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift than a flight on a historic B-17? Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, or more information, go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, check out the Ticket Stub Podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Welcome back to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about the progression of a lawsuit, and we've basically gotten to discovery. And I just want our listeners to know that discovery is. I don't know. I, I guess it's a segment of a lawsuit where well, documents. Well, it's a statutory privilege in a lawsuit. You don't have to ask for discovery, but you have to respond if the other side 
request. And there's many times you don't have to just give them the, you know, sell the farm. You can object if they're asking you for something that's completely irrelevant. Like in many divorces, there'll be a request by how many times you've had sex and what kind of sex did you have and, you know, what kind of positions are, you know, just really terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, that's objectionable. Mm-hmm. You're not going to answer that. Okay, well, let, let me ask you this. Um, I mean, so- maybe, maybe the number, maybe if you have a pair more. That might be important. And I'm going to throw in there that really that doesn't have a, a divorce. And we're just very briefly, it's um, you're dividing the property, you're determining on who has custody of the kids, and you're looking at child support. Those are the three things you do in divorce. And pro- dividing the property is where adultery comes in because, well, also child custody because if they've got a live-in lover or something, you don't want your kids around that. But And that kicks in quite a bit. But if you're just mad and you have no kids and you think adultery is going to be the reason that you're going to get more of the property, more property share because of the fault of their side, think again. Because it's only going to make a slight difference in the way that the judge divides the property. Because the judge looks at this like there's two pe- people in this, this relationship and it's probably just as much your fault they're committing adultery as it was they did, which is probably not the case. Right. But that's but how the judge sees it. it. So it doesn't before. make a big difference. So don't be thinking if there's no kids involved that that the adultery issue is a big deal. It's not to the courts. It's really not. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what was your question? <laughs> um, okay, so discovery is produced by yes. both sides, right? Yes. Well, what does the plaintiff do if they have all this evidence, like bank records and all that stuff, and they produce it? You're married. Yeah. They probably did have it. Well, I'm talking about like a corporate or civil dispute. Oh, right, okay. They've got all this evidence, mm-hmm. and they want to use that at trial, but mm-hmm. it's theirs. It wasn't produced by the opposing party. You need to authenticate it which means that, and there's lots of ways of keeping documents out, but bank records, third-party records are is going to make or break your case, yeah. I want to say, at least 50% or more of the time. Because if you ask for discovery from the other party, they're going to him and hide, I'll have it. But you check. have it already. But you had it already, but you're trying to get it in. And mm-hmm. just because it's your admission doesn't mean it's admissible, because it'd be hearsay. You could have created it yourself. Right. So it has to be authenticated by the, 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 the custodian of the record. So let's say you have the bank records. Well, try um, subpoenaing IRS records. You're not going to get a tax return from the IRS. They will never give that to you. Mm-hmm. But you can get it from the other party. Okay, so let's, you've asked for the records. Oh, I lost them. I don't have them. The dog ate them. They I threw them away in the flood, you know, whatever. Um, so, so that's when you move to compel the court to make them give them to you. And if they don't have them, you ask the court to, to compel them to give you the authority to get them through a credit report or through just getting a transcript. You can get it that way because you can go in on the internet through the IRS site, and you could put a social security number in there, and you can ask for a transcript of a tax return. But you have to have authority because it's a privacy issue, and, and you have to have their social security number. And if you do ask for it without their permission, you they can see who's asked for it. Mm-hmm. So don't be looking at people's tax returns without their permission. Right. They're going to give it to you. You're going to get a court order. If they won't give it to you, you move to compel timely, far before trial, to get it, okay? Now, let's say to answer your question, you've got these records and you're trying to get them in because they're saying they don't have them, and but you're holding on to them. They're bank records. You want to subpoena the bank, this third-party mm-hmm. subpoena, and you want to get the actual records from the bank. And depending on whether you're in federal or district court or whatever court you're in, there's a different way to get those records. For an example, in federal court, um, because there's, in particularly in bankruptcy cases, that the tax returns are very important. Um, they've got, they're going to produce, they're going to give them to the trustee. You can get them directly from the trustee because that's going to be an authentication. You can't lie to a trustee. Um, you can ask for them from the party and compel them if they haven't given to you. Um, if, but for, for actual bank records, you can actually subpoena the bank. 
and there's a subpoena form that's on the federal site, really easy to fill out. You can't serve it because you have to be, if you're a party, but you can get anybody over 18 that doesn't have an interest in the outcome to serve it. So it could be your next door neighbor. On the bank. On the bank. Mm-hmm. You serve it on the bank. But if you if it's not just subpoenaing them to come to trial and testify, and, and, and documents are involved, which they are with the bank, then are maybe you have the documents and documents aren't involved. That's another way to do it. So you've got the bank records, but you can't get them authenticated. You're gonna you're going to subpoena a custodian of the bank to come down to court at trial and authenticate them. The problem the bank's gonna have is they may not know their their records, but they may know they're the records because you got them because it's your own statement. Okay. And if it's a joint account, it's it's still not it's not because the custodian is not the party. The custodian's the bank. So the bank has to authenticate them. I usually do, uh, if you're just trying to get the records and you have to notify the other side, uh, it's called a federal 45-4-D notice. Anyway, you'll see if it's on the subpoena itself. If you Google federal subpoena, it's on the bottom of the subpoena form. Right. And they're set up so that anybody can create these things. Mm-hmm. Um, usually pro se's have a problem with getting them issued because subpoenas are a court order. An attorney can do it. A judge can do it. A court could do it. So it's a little more difficult for pro se to get it, but you can still get it. And um, you have to give them t- notice before it's served. And then that's all it takes, you to serve them. And the bank will tell you, this is how much the records are going to cost. Do you want them in the form of a CD? Do you want us to email them in one of the um, the cloud deals or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then you let them know. Um, I usually get it in the form of a CD. And you also ask them for a business record affidavit. You have to file it with, you have to file it with the court records in time for them to be able to object to it. But you cannot file in any court bank records unless you've redacted the confidential information like bank records and social security information. Very, very important. So you've got to get to the other side. So federal is a little bit different from district court, state district court, because the federal rules are a little bit different about redaction and how you get the records and your time frames. But ultimately, you're still asking a third party via subpoena using the rules to give you records that are authenticated by the custodian. Same thing goes for medical records. You cannot get medical records unless you have a release from that party Mm -hmm. or the person authorizing them. It's called a HIPAA release. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, you can't get them, like psychological records, because somebody's visiting a psychologist because they've got some big issues and the other side in a divorce really wants them to keep the kids away from them. And the kids, um, the other side doesn't, they know that it's probably not something that's going to harm the kids because you were married to this person, mm-hmm. but they think that it will embarrass them or damage them. Mm-hmm. They're hard to get, but most of the time the court will let them in. Mm-hmm. They don't hit the public record, they're restricted, but they will help you a lot in your child custody battle um, if they're, mostly if their children are involved. If someone's crazy and there's money involved, usually it doesn't matter. <laughs> It may be it may be a case of where you're trying to get a restraining order against them, and then it will matter. But it's usually just a tool for kind of embarrassment. Um, it will help you in a probate case, though, if you're trying to get um, somebody to have to determine whether they have incapacity mm-hmm. because they seem to function well, but you know that they're just crazy as all get out. Mm-hmm. They're, the image that they put forth, if people are crazy. I mean, yeah, Bundy, Ted them. Bundy. Yeah. Um, you'll want their, you can do the same thing. You can ask for a, uh, get a HIPAA release to get their records. It's kind of difficult. You have to have some evidence to show a court, just like a FISA, the FISA warrant. You have to have some evidence before you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. But generally, if it's a, if you're filing a suit to show incapacity, those courts are accustomed to seeing that kind of information to go to to a third party. And it may not go directly to you. The court may want to have it held in Cameron. It's a, that means the court will hold it for a third party to look at it, not the party that's asking for it, to determine if it's really relevant. Mm-hmm. So, um, But 
here's another word of advice about subpoenas. If somebody has subpoenaed your records and you know it's improper, and let's just say you went to a psychologist because you're having a bad time because of a breakup of marriage, and that's really none of their business, mm-hmm. you can immediately, when that subpoena hits, you object to that psychologist uh, providing those records without it going to court to for them to answer the court with the motion to compel why it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Because um, it may not be, and it's a breach of your... I mean, it's just like when you confess to a priest. You don't want your yeah, you don't want private, that information to come out. Confidential. But there's not a privilege with your psychologist where there is a privilege. I'm trying to think. Is, is there? An, your husband's a doctor. Mine's a doctor. And we should know as attorneys. But I don't. There is a physician attorney a physician a physician client, client, uh, a physician physician patient patient privilege. Relationship. But it's not. It's not overbroad. It can be broken into in certain in circumstances, mm-hmm. and that HIPAA release is really powerful to do that. Mm-hmm. And I get HIPAA releases. In fact, you don't even need a HIPAA release if a victim is claiming rape, right? Because the court's going to get it, and then suddenly the other side's got it, which really helps me because my people are falsely accused. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting ready to win a case this next week. It's going to trial in like two weeks because it was a false accusation because this other girl wanted a U visa. Yeah. So anyway, kind of getting off on a tangent, but subpoenas are extremely important. You know, uh, and getting those business records in an admissible form. Yes, and, all, and you were going to say, yeah, they have to be authenticated. You need a business uh, record affidavit. It's got to be done perfectly. If it's not done right, it's going to it's going to kick it out. You won't get to use it. And it needs to be filed 14 days before trial in state court, right? but not in federal court. In federal court, it just has to be reasonable. There's not a timeline. Okay, but if you want, if if you miss that deadline subpoena the custodian of record and get them to court to authenticate at the day of trial. You, you've missed authenticate your... Authenticate the records you already have. Right. So the business record is just so that the, the custodian of record doesn't have to come in. Right. But if you've missed the deadline for whatever reason or your, your affidavit's not proper, then subpoena the custodian of record properly to get them in there the day of trial so they can authenticate the records right there in open court. Okay. okay. That's great. Great information. Okay. How much longer do we have, Dick? Are we almost done here? Okay, good. Uh, Okay, so we've talked about discovery. We've talked about the importance of subpoenas. Um, So after that, after all your discovery is complete, one of the parties either requests a jury trial or they don't. Yeah, well, usually you you have to request the jury trial. That's also another time-related action that you have to take. You can't request a jury... uh, less than 30 days or it's not considered reasonable. And a lot of people try to do that to get a continuance. And you can, but you better do it at least 30 days. Don't go up the day of trial and say, I need a continuance. That's not going to happen. And don't go up the day of trial and say, I want a jury because you're you're messing with the court and they're mad because they've scheduled for you not to have a jury and it's a bench trial. And so you've aggravated the judge and it's not favorable to you if you aggravate the judge, the very one that's going to be adjudicating your case. All right. Well, listen, guys, next week, you know, we're going to have the lemonade day. We're going to have the president and another representative and we're going to be talking about some of the legal aspects of of kids working and, and all about that how to stuff. set up corporations and business That's plans right. and just like jeff bezos had a business plan from princeton we're going to get it from lemonade day uh, uh correspondents and people on next week instead we don't have to go to Princeton. and we want to remind you to serve god by serving others every day that's right thanks for listening guys y'all have a great week Thanks for checking out this show on Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. This show is owned and produced by Lone Star Community Radio and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. For more information about this show, to be a guest or to sponsor, just contact the studio at 936-647-3776 to leave a message or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com.